Welcome to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. I'm your host, Sue Taylor, and I am the Program Manager of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Student Experience at the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre, located in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. This podcast was developed to highlight women who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments, women who are leaders, and women who serve to inspire and act as role models and mentors to young women, which we like to refer to as STEM champions. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Math, and has most recently included Entrepreneurship and Manufacturing. Our goal is to support and foster these women and show that then they can accomplish all they set out to achieve and then some. Stay tuned to learn more about women working in STEM, their journeys, their challenges, their accomplishments, and so much more. This is the Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. everyone and welcome to uh, today's STEM Speaker Series podcast. So today on our podcast we have uh, Diane Rico who is the President and CEO uh, as well as Chair Board of Directors of Rico International Group Incorporated. It is a diversified technology-driven manufacturing company located in Lakeshore, Ontario. Uh, in Canada. So the company utilizes technology combined with a long history of manufacturing to supply innovative automation, tooling, and precision machining of large critical components to its customers in the automotive, transportation, power generation, aerospace, food, and other industries. Diane is is proud to lead a team of skilled and innovative people that help to support the community of Windsor-Essex. She has enjoyed volunteering as a judge at our first robotics competition and as board member of Invest Windsor-Essex for a number of years. Diane believes that technology, innovation, and perseverance can solve some of our world's most serious problems. So uh, welcome, Diane, and thank you so much for joining us on the uh, STEM Speaker Series podcast. How are you doing? Thanks. Thanks for having me, Sue. It's it's nice to uh, have a conversation with you. Well, I was very happy that you uh, agreed to do this. So I know you've done some work with us here at the college. So it's always nice to have guests, and you've done a lot, uh, you know, around Windsor Essex as well. So I was very happy to. So um, let's again start with the basics. So tell us where you grew up, uh, a little bit about yourself, other than you know we covered some in your bio, but um, there's so much more to tell. I'm sure if you want to share that with us. Sure, sure. I'm I'm what you call a Windsor born and bred girl. Uh, was was raised. Uh, so, so went to a few different schools, I guess, in the area. My parents uh, originally lived in Windsor, and so I started my um, education at a little grade school that doesn't exist anymore, St. Patrick's. Um, but I know there's a big alumni group from there. They just had a reunion recently. Oh. Uh, spent a year out in River Canard at St. Joseph's, then went to Anderton, which was my ultimate grade school, I guess, where I spent most of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent a year at General Amherst High School, which was super. And then my parents moved back to Windsor again. So I finished my high school career at Assumption. So I've, I've hit quite a few of the different schools in the area and, um, and really... Uh, had a lot of impact from a lot of people there. I always um, loved math, puzzles, reading, um, and I think that was reflected a lot in a lot of my school career. I never really saw myself as a future potential in, in the technology space, um, which is kind of interesting, but uh, I certainly didn't feel any limitation on math. Uh, my mother always used to say, oh, you got that from your dad. <laughs> um, but uh, 
that was that was a good thing. And then I, I did go away to school for a couple of years to Western and then finished my um, education at the University of Windsor. So came back. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like a magnet. I think it draws you back here if, you, if you're from here. <laughs> so um, talk a little bit about just being CEO of, you know, a fairly large company. What's your day to day like? And what do you love most about doing that? Yeah. Each day is different. And that's one of the things that I actually like about it. When I look at my sort of core roles, if you will, communication is probably one of the most important ones. Communicating with people within inside the organization as well as outside shareholders, um, bankers, different people, customers uh, on the outside as well. And, and one of my patterns is to actually walk around and try and talk to all of our employees. Um, I'm not doing it as much during COVID as I was pre-COVID, um, but I am hoping to be able to re- revisit that kind of communication because it's, it's really great to actually see what people are up to. Um, sometimes you can see the challenges that they're having and, and be aware of a problem um, that you wouldn't if you were just sitting in your office all day. Also sort of vision planning and saying, where are we going? What's our future look like? Um, and in these times with things changing the way they do, both technology-wise and the markets, that's always a, an evolving process of saying, okay, so we're, we're heading in this direction. Does this still make sense? Um, are we doing the things that we need to do to get us there? And then the other major role of a CEO is, is making sure you've got the right people and you've got the right assets, you've got the right equipment, the right technologies um, within your organization to be able to achieve these, these grand missions. But really what I love most is really the people I work with. I mean, that's what um, makes all the difference, right? And I'm sure it's the same for every career there is. Um, I, I kind of, as I mentioned earlier, I love solving puzzles and to a certain extent, solving some of the problems that we have to deal with, uh, which always seem to be unique, is a bit like solving puzzles. So on a good day, I, I do enjoy that. And you progress through the company. So, and I, and I love that you actually walk the floor because I think that is so important. I think that speaks to your employees. They, they see the importance of that and they, it, it shows that appreciation of them. So I want to say it's like good customer service, but it's good leadership. How did you progress then through the company? Where did, what did you start? When yeah, you first were there? I, I started right out of school and I came in, um, Mostly, I thought I wanted to own a travel agency, actually, and I had a part-time job at American Express Travel, which used to be located inside the Bay at Devonshire Mall, believe it or not. And uh, that that was a really cool time of my life. I was taking all kinds of courses at at university and and working many, many hours a week. Um, But it that they got their first computer in while I was there, and at that point, I realized that the industry was going to transform incredibly. That no longer would people necessarily need someone to go and call the tour operator to book their trip or to look in these massive books that we used to have to figure out which hotel in Europe was the best one um, for you to stay at, depending on where you wanted to be. So um, when I realized the transformation in that industry, I didn't think owning a travel agency was going to be so great. And to be honest with you, I was kind of stuck at that point. I was like, wow, now what am I going to do with my life? And so my father kind of said to me, hey, why don't you come and check out Rico? You know, uh, the company had been around for um, quite a few years at that point, and I hadn't spent too much time there. I'd done some, you know, bookkeeping for them in the early years when I was um, still in high school. But I was surprised. Things had really changed, and uh, there was a need for a little bit of um, help within the office. A lot of the accounting procedures were still manual, and so I um, helped install our first ERPs. Actually, it was kind of one of my first projects after I started. So, 
Oh, wow. So, yeah. you, so you have, you have <laughs> done your time and I love it. It's like, I haven't really been there, even though it was my <laughs> dad's. <laughs> so yeah. tell, tell us a little bit more about uh, Rico, actually, like, you know, and what are they doing? What, what's the staffing? How many staff do you have? Community yeah. relationships? So- all, what's the... What do they do? Yeah. So, so we're manufacturers, but technology has always been at the heart of our manufacturing, even since we were incorporated back in 1976, actually, my father started the company. And today we've got about 200 employees. Um, we all work together and we support uh, other manufacturers and producers. Our objective is to make them more successful. We really want to be their go-to team. You got a problem? Come see us. So areas that we really specialize right now in is the design, um, installation, and uh, support of robotic automation equipment. Obviously a big demand for that right now because a lot of people can't find help. um, And so they're moving towards automation to help them be able to produce things. Uh, Our other division um, does, and and I'll give you an example of a project that we recently did is, is punching holes into the bumpers and the fascias of some SUVs to attach all the sensors. So with all the electrification, all the, you know, autonomous driving coming down the word, Mm -hmm. you know, you need equipment to help you um, uh, prepare those parts for um, what, what's coming. Um, On the mold side, we're we're still producing um, tools and molds like we did back in our early days in our origin. Um, But we've also moved into producing some low volume parts. And one of the interesting ones we're doing right now is an air dam for an electric delivery truck that's manufactured by Rivian, but it's being used for Amazon deliveries uh, currently in the West Coast. So that's kind of cool to be part of that. Yeah. And our, our machining division. Um, is is manufacturing or is machining great big things like uh, locomotive engines and uh, great big other components that go into uh, gas distribution compression units. So, um, you know, I like to think that we play a really important role in the economy and keeping things going. And and I, I I'm really excited about ways that we can now help move that economy and or help with some of the bigger problems that we're dealing with in our world with, with carbon and, uh, and the environment and changes like that. So we're, we're moving towards how can we take those talents that we already have and deploy them in areas that are going to make the world a better place. Absolutely. And we have a goal here in, in Windsor Essex to become the automobility capital of Canada. So we are <laughs> well on our way. Yeah. We, are, yeah, we are there. And again, it's with companies like yours that uh, we're doing that and, you know, projects that we're doing, uh, through the college and trying to really train the people who are going to work on all these things. That's, you know, that those are the things that we're looking here at the college. So anyway, it's, it's, um, it's a great, it's a great thing to be a part of and see it. And I'm sure your dad's vision, you know, from back when he started the company to now, if he could walk through and see what is going on, he'd probably be, uh, you know, it's amazing to see that. So, um, so how do you maintain your work-life balance? I always like to ask that. So I think that because we all, we talk work, work, work all the time. So talk about sort of your self-care and, and uh, how do, how do we prevent ourselves from becoming overwhelmed in that, in that environment? Yeah, I, that's a really interesting question. I've, I've been asked that before and I've, I've, I've confessed up front and I'm going to do it again that I'm not the expert on balance. Um, but I but I think one thing that I found really helpful um, and I 
gathered this from uh, Lean In from Sheryl Sandberg's book, which I would highly recommend to any female, no matter what stage of life you're in, but is, is to measure balance over a period of time, right? Balance is not necessarily a single day. There may be days where you need to dedicate your, to entirely to your family, to children who are sick, uh, situations that are unpredictable. Um, and there may be other days where you need to dedicate it to work because there's something critical. There's a customer presentation or a bank discussion that needs to be held and, and you've got to maybe sacrifice something on the other end. So if you look for balance on a daily basis, I think you will be very severely challenged to accomplish that. But if you Think of it in bigger chunks of time and say, okay, am I getting balance over a week or a month or six months, whatever works for you? I think that's a little bit more realistic. And so for me, one of the things I've started doing, and to be honest with you, I've only gotten really great at this because of COVID, because I had to find a way to bring my stress level down. Um, mm -hmm. Leaving in this environment, as anyone who's doing it will attest, has been extremely difficult. Is, is exercise. So I've moved to, you know, a daily routine of either yoga or a jog in my neighborhood. I don't call it running because my pace is very slow. Uh, <laughs> things like yard work, even housework, to be honest with you, is a little bit mentally freeing for me because it's something different. I don't have to focus on some of the problems that I, that I have to do um, every day at work. And so that gives me a little bit of balance. Um, love spending time with my family, obviously. And uh, confession, love a good Netflix series or a stand-up special. Um, big fan of uh, Trevor Noah and Jerry uh, Seinfeld, Jim Gaffigan, those guys, you know, Sebastian Menescalco, those guys, I can sit and laugh and that is a good good release for me to kind of bring me back in balance sometimes. I agree. I've seen Sebastian Menescalco live a couple of times and it's just like, he is so, it's just the, the, um, his body language is more than anything is so funny. So, and again, you yeah, I even, I even got to see your, uh, one of your alumni of distinction, um, at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, I think it was maybe oh, three years ago. Dave, Ma Dave, yeah, he I can't was pronounce his name properly. Yeah, I'm not even going to say either. Um, he was actually just here. We just did a um, an award a thing where they interviewed him. So he was in my office. Um, yeah, his photo is right outside the front door. All the alumni of distinction are posted out front of the Genesis Center, and uh, so he was here and they they interviewed him. So I saw yeah. him. I actually met him at the Juno Awards. Oh, he, great. I, yeah. I, I was a, um, a volunteer at the Juno Awards working and um, I went to the comedy show because I had I had a night off before I had to actually uh, work and he performed. And then afterwards he was walking through the crowd and I saw him and I was like, Hey, I'm from Windsor. And so we started chatting. And then I saw him um, after uh, in the media area getting his award again. Like I saw him, I think three times that uh, for that weekend. And he was just, a, he's just a super guy and so funny and, you know, loves his Windsor roots too. Which yeah. Is cool. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you with the comedy stuff. So um, over the years, I know, um, you know, you talked about Lean In and Lean In is um, a great book. We have recommended it to uh, the girls in our uh, STEM club. We actually did a Lean In Circle with them earlier last year. And so, again, that, a lot of that is talking about she talks about mentors and um, you know, people that influence you along the way. And she is trying to do that for others and getting them to lean in at the table. So who has served uh, that as that role for you along the way? Yeah, I, I mean, my my greatest mentor was definitely my father. Yeah. Um, it's a bit ironic because he was 
somewhat of a traditional male, but I was never raised to believe that I couldn't do anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I was always, look, I did great on this math test, you know, 95. Well, what happened to the other 5%? You know, he was always um, challenging me to, to be better and to, to achieve uh, not perfection necessarily, but, but as best as I could do. And he was always very supportive um, of my um, academic, but then also my, my work career. And, and I think the best way that he mentored me was just to show great leadership and to be able to see that and to not feel like, well, you can't do that because you're a female um, was, was sort of the best combination for me. Um, I've also had obviously some amazing female leaders that I've really looked up to. Uh, I was part of a women's president's organization group a number of years ago in Ann Arbor, and the members of that group were incredibly inspiring, Mm -hmm. both because they had achieved some amazing things, but also because they were willing to share that wisdom um, in a group setting. And so you could talk about a problem that you were going through and odds were pretty good. There was someone else in the, in the group that had been through something similar and had some advice to offer. So it was really great. And I, and I think it's important that there are opportunities like today for conversations around what it's like to be a leader. Uh, You know, if you can see it, you can be it kind of thing. And I believe there's a whole organization formed around that right now too. And, and it's important to, uh, to make people aware, not only of what leadership looks like in different forms and in different diverse groups but also even careers you know I it's it's always so disappointing to me when I speak to young children and they come up with the same three careers you know because that's all that they really are familiar with and I think about all the wide options that are open to them that they sometimes people never even learn about them until it's too late I think we've been talking that they all want to be YouTube influencers now or, or, or TikTok. <laughs> that's that's the new career of choice, apparently. Yes, yes. We talked about, about that. that yesterday too. Yeah. <laughs> My last guest, and it's like, but I like, you know, and that's why I thought I, I'm kind of doing a little series on manufacturing and, and women in manufacturing. And I feel like, you know, you were a perfect person to have on that because, you know, being a CEO and also in the manufacturing industry, I think is uh uh, as great role models for for these young women, that's kind of what this podcast is sort of all about. So, and again, so there's been so much change in technology, and we're working on keeping that pipeline. Again, I said the college is trying to help with that, um, and I know you know everyone is always looking. How do we get them involved in skilled trades? How do we talk to uh, and not just women, anybody to get them in, in skilled trades because we need them. <laughs> so what's the, what do you, is there a secret? How do we do that? Oh, I, I wish I, if I had that, I think I could be um, very, very highly sought after speaker. <laughs> but I have some recommendations. We're listening. Know? We're listening. <laughs> um, you know, talent is, is, a struggle for everybody, right? It's not just in skilled trades. Um, as I'm hearing, I, I heard a doctor on the radio the other day too talking about the the medical shortage that's probably coming up because a lot of people who are near retirement stayed on to help with COVID, and after this is done, they're done too. Um, so, so I think it's an it's an across the board problem. I don't think it's unique to skilled trades. We've maybe 
felt it a little earlier than some of the other areas, but um, it's definitely coming for all of us. So automation is obviously a solution and that's part of what's keeping us busy right now. But even with automation, you still need people who can come up with those designs and do the programming of the robots and and build and, and install and support that equipment after it's in. So that's not the complete solution. I look at things like parents, right? You, you have such an influence on your children and your recommendations. Encourage your daughters to explore these alternate careers. I mean, not only are they challenging and interesting, but they're, but they're also, if you want your child to be financially independent and, and successful as well, like, there's a lot of money to be made in, in skilled trades and areas like that. Teachers, counselors, you know, same thing. Encourage your female students to at least explore what's out there. I, I don't think there's been enough exposure to it in the past. And our, as employers, you know, and I, I put ourselves in this bucket too, that we have a responsibility to send out that welcome message, you know, mm. come here. We want you here. We want you to see that, yes, it's an inclusive workplace. We've got to make it that way so that all these people will consider being there, right? To the young women who are out there saying, well, I don't know, I, I'm not really, you got to be brave because you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many things in your life that you will be able to accomplish if you can just find the courage to give it a try. And you know what? If you try it and you fail, so what? There's, there's other things that you're going to learn from that. And maybe that will take you to your next role, which will be the one that really, you know, excites your passion and, and works for you. But, You've got to go outside our comfort zone a little bit sometimes to really find what's great. And and I, you know, I look at some of the cool things that our, our team's doing and I just think, wow, like who wouldn't want to do this? You know, like a couple of guys who are working on our, we have like an R&D cell and they're trying to figure out how to cut this hole in plastic using a robot and a knife and, you know, without ruining the surface and make it so it can go on the back of an SUV or no, an ATV actually. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And you could just see like, as they were working together, how they're bouncing ideas off each other. Okay, try this. Okay, slow it down. Okay, I think I got this. What about this? And it's, it's just neat. And, and, you know, then talk to them a couple of days later and say, did you guys figure it out? Yeah, we did. You know, it's like, what a, what a sense of accomplishment, right? I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. I think people should is one of my favorite things to do. And I love that when you see that. So we, we, and I, and the other thing I love to start doing is bringing in these groups into places like your plant and having, giving them tours and they can see what it is because they have no idea. Oh, I'm going to work in robotics. What is that? You know, but bringing them in and doing a tour because that's all it takes is to spark that, to get them interested. So anyway, that's kind of the other the other recommendation I would make is if, if you're still in high school, get involved with your first robotics team yes. because the kids that I've seen go through that program just amazed me. And so many of them said, I knew nothing about coding. I knew nothing about running a machine tool. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about talking to, you know, potential sponsors or anything yeah. until I joined this team and to see Again, people get confidence from going out of their comfort zone and trying something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those skills, they're going to take with them wherever they go, whatever they end up doing. You know? Yeah, it's an amazing program, actually. And I, we see a lot of them uh, here that have been on FIRST Robotics teams. And 
anyway, they're they're ahead of the game too because yeah. they they it teaches them to think in a certain way, which is mm-hmm. in, in that innovation. So, yeah. um, any career defining moments for you? Anything where you said, "Yep, this is what I should have been doing." <laughs> I know when you first started, it sounded like you were thinking, "Okay, sure," <laughs> and then look at now, look at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing, isn't it? It's interesting because they say that you grow the most when you really make a mistake or you fail at something. And and I've definitely had a lot of those moments in my career. Um, I've had situations where I failed to communicate or I didn't get the whole story and made a decision anyway. Um, having to restructure our company back in 2011. I mean, those on the surface look like really big failures and they were definitely stressful and difficult points. But they are also those times when I grew the most and I kind of said, okay, well, amazingly, I could do this. And I I got through it and maybe that's why I was meant to be here so that I could help, you know, solve this problem, if you will. And then good moments. Well, when we finally achieved our financial success after that restructuring, I mean, that's when I was really like, wow, like, yeah, that was a lot of sacrifice during that time for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm not, there were people who sacrificed more than I did, that's for sure. Um, but when we were able to get our numbers back on track again, and then to be able to actually build our new automation facility in 2018, those are definitely moments where I said, okay, um, I'm where I'm supposed to be, you know, because uh, come through the storm, if you will, and, and are in a much better place. So. And I'm sure the pride of looking at it and thinking we did that, you know, like I think you probably get that a lot just um, in that industry too, because, you know, the creativity that comes with that and, you know, putting out the product, satisfying the customer, like there's, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, building something, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and and supporting families, you know, yeah. yeah. That many employees, like it's it's a pretty big deal. That's great. Oh yeah. Uh, so do you have any advice for the 19-year-old Shelly <laughs> that, that you would have given yourself? Um, and then, you know, we always ask that because again, I always think with the STEM club, the if I knew then what I know now, what would you tell 19-year-old Diane? It sounds crazy, but I would say get out of that comfort zone regularly like set a schedule that i'm gonna do something outside of my comfort zone once a month once a week once every two weeks like force it because it's in doing that that i've really found success so if i had done that sooner maybe when i was 19 um and more frequently i would have built up that courage and that success a lot faster i i I really kind of waited late in my life i'm gonna say until i really had the courage to really do that and say, okay, you know what, I'm even in my leadership role, um, when I became CEO, I was still quite intimidated about going on the floor. And it wasn't until I got the courage to get out there and talk to people that I realized this is a good place for me to be. One, because I'm communicating with everyone, but also because I'm learning about what's going on out here um, in a way that I would never have if I'd stayed in my office the whole time. So having the courage to do that. I wish I had been a little bit earlier in my career and don't be afraid to fail. You know, I mean, people say that all the time. I think what you have to recognize is that if anyone's going to judge you for failing, that's that insecurity in their judgment is really about them. It's not about you because 
there's a whole list of, of people in this world who are immense, considered immense successes today. They've all failed. And some of them have failed a lot. And that's okay. We all do, you know, and, and you have to recognize that if you don't try and fail, you'll never know what you could accomplish. So you, so you have to go for it. I always use Steve Jobs as that example who got fired from Apple and then look at him, you know, yeah, exactly. ultimate failure, but yet here he was. So you just, that, that force has changed. So anyway, well, that was great. Great advice. Um, so now we always usually finish up with some rapid fire questions. So, and I was laughing because one of them you already answered. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was, what's your favorite Netflix binge? <laughs> <laughs> I know the questions in advance, but you don't, and you already answered, which I found funny. Right. So. <laughs> it's been a long two years. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, what about uh, dining in or eating out? What do you prefer? Oh, that's, that's I, a really, question to right now. I really don't love to cook, um, so I would say eating out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Especially now, because now that we can. Uh, yeah. Favorite color? Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blue. It's Rico okay. blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> coffee or tea? These are easy. Coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. And are you? How many coffees are we at a day? Or is this just uh, a morning thing for you? Not that. Not excessive. No, too. And actually, I've kind of swapped to tea uh, for the afternoon and evenings as well. So I've yeah. a little of both. But yeah, a couple of days, not too bad. Okay. And are you a dog or cat person? Oh, that's unfair. Um, I have all kinds of. Uh, Grand pets that are of both. <laughs> grand pets. <laughs> no grandchildren on the grand pets right now. Um, I think I lean a little bit more towards dogs, but I, I love them both. I really okay. do. All right. You just like, just for babies are good in general. Yeah, they are. Oh. They are. <laughs> well, that, that's great. Well, thank you so much. Um, and again, I want to thank everyone for joining us and supporting the uh, St. Clair College the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center and the Women in STEM. And a special thank you uh, to Diane Rico, who is the president and CEO of Rico International Group. So uh, we really appreciate you coming out and sharing your wisdom and sort of that advice. And we'll we'll see if we can again get more uh, more skilled trades in there to uh, you know to help to help everybody really. So, um, but we appreciate your commitment and your passion and uh, all the things that you have to offer uh, women in a leadership role as well as uh, women in STEM. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. My pleasure. And and thanks for what you're doing, Sue. It's really important. Thank you for tuning in to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series podcast, highlighting women trailblazers who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments. If you're a St. Clair College student who would like more information on the Women in STEM Club, or you're a woman working in STEM or a leader in your field and are interested in being featured on our podcast or acting as a mentor for one of the incredible young women in our STEM Club, you can email us at stem at stclaircollege.ca to sign up. Be sure to connect with us on social media at St. Clair Genesis. For more information on the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center or for details on our workshops and entrepreneurial resources, you can visit our website at www.stclaircollege.ca slash genesis. If you'd like this episode, please make sure to let us know by leaving a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting St. Clair College 
the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center, and Women in STEM. Until next time.